Ladies and gentlemen, we're expecting some moderate turbulence. Please remain seated and enjoy the show. Hello. And welcome to... Moderate Turbulence. I'm Jeremy. I'm Adele. Oh, and there's Roxy. Wow, she wanted to say hi too. Yes, she's active right now. She is. We had we had a little trouble with Roxy this morning. Roxy had an accident. On the bed at 6.30 in the morning. Which was not pleasant. Well, she is very good at waking us up when she's A, hungry, or B, needs to go outside. Because just, I don't know, last week or this weekend, she woke us up at like 4 a.m., which is not her breakfast time. So it definitely was a needs to go outside moment. Yep. So I got up, brought her outside and she was, you know, didn't wait for her breakfast, went, came right back to the room and we went back to sleep. Yep. Um, but yeah, this morning, uh, she woke us up. So you got up eventually with her and then it was, yeah, it was close to my waking up time. Yeah. And then, um, you brought her outside, fed her and brought her back in the room. And then that point, I moved my foot inside the covers and landed in a wet spot and me half asleep. I'm like, did I pee myself in the bed? I don't understand, but it was by my feet. So clearly that's not the case. And then I touched the top of the blanket and yeah, that was definitely a rude awakening and a start, a terrible start to the day because I work until 10 PM. So if I have to, be awake at 6.30 and then be up for the rest of the day, that is just not going to happen. But of course, we had to strip the whole bed. It leaked through the duvet cover, the duvet, the sheets, and the mattress cover. Yep. Everything had to be washed. So I curled up on the bed with our blankets from the couch and then (laughs) was able to sleep maybe another hour. But yeah, that was just... A terrible time. It was not a pleasant Monday morning, that's for sure. No, especially since everything is kind of difficult right now and you just need to kind of, you know, be zen and be one with... Any little thing that happens is that straw to break the camel's back, right? Oh, yeah. And it's definitely the case for me this morning. Yeah. So... Well, on to happier things. We, uh, We got a lot of love and a lot of praise for last week's episode with uh, Zoe, the Air Canada fangirl. Yeah, that was, I mean, it was such a special episode to record for us. It was emotional and just positive and and so, so nice. And of course, Zoe shared it all over her pages and and she got a lot of love from it, I think. But then we got a lot of good response from it, which yeah. is, you know, so nice to to have that um, feedback and just, you know, a lot of people just appreciated that positive um, episode. And I even talked to Caitlin about it and about that moment where Zoe mentioned, oh, we're just going through a bit of moderate turbulence and <laughs> we're going to be back. You know, the captain will turn off the seatbelt sign soon and we're going to be back to smooth sailing. And, yep. and yeah, that was like the perfect analogy and just so you know, on brand with everything. And just so, you know, yeah, you and go it was, through it and then you have to, you'll get out, we'll, we'll get yeah. through it and we'll land smoothly on the other side. But yeah, right now we're in stormy weather and we don't really know 
when it's going to end. But yeah, if we look at it, that everything has an end, this weird cycle that we're in in life has an end. We don't know when, but if we keep pushing forward, we will get there eventually. Yeah. What what struck me most about uh, our episode with Zoe was how genuine she is. And like with everything she does, she's very genuine. I think that's one of the best words I have to describe our whole interaction with her. Yeah. Well, I kept describing her to my friends as a pure soul. Yeah. She's just so selfless and just, yeah, like a p- pure. She's just so yeah. special and and speaking with her is is wonderful. And yeah, Jeffy brought smiles and tears to our eyes, but so positively. And yeah, everybody, I think, enjoyed listening to that episode, especially if yeah. you're missing your yeah. job in aviation. You just listen to that and it would just you felt a bit of the happiness and positivity. And as mentioned on that episode, it's definitely lacking these days. And for someone, especially so young to go on social media to spread such a good message about something that she loves. And she's just sharing it with the people of, uh, of the airline that she absolutely adores. And it's just such a nice thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like nothing bad about it. She's, the Air Canada fangirl. She loves the airline and she loves the employees of that airline. And she just wants to share that love. Yep. You know, that's just so nice. It is. We also have to bring up one more thing before Jeremy gets into the incident of this week. What's the one more thing? Well, it finally happened for me. What finally happened? The dream. Oh, yes, that's right. You you brought this up a couple days ago. And you're like, oh, it happened. And I mentioned it after we did the Sully or when we did the Sully episode. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, Jeremy mentioned about how it's very common for flight attendants and, and pilots to to have this vivid dream that you're in an airplane and the airplane is crashing. Or you mentioned something about flying under a bridge. Yep. Or, or between buildings. buildings. Yeah. yeah. So my dream was uh, I was cabin crew in this uh, in this scenario. Um, very clearly remember in the dream I was going through security, you know, making my way to the gate, waiting to board. Um, for, for some reason in my dream, I knew I was in the Ottawa airport, even though in the dream, it really didn't look like the Ottawa airport, but I knew that's where I was. Um, And then once we were on the plane, me and my crew members were sitting in passenger seats at the back of the plane. So I guess we were deadheading, but that was, you know, I guess assumed um, in the the dream. And then uh, I remember the takeoff was very, very quick, like kind of just like the plane just floated upward Mm -hmm. and we were all just kind of looking at each other. That's kind of weird. That doesn't happen. Um, Which doesn't, you know, you don't just float upward straight up, but uh, that was the dream Um, that was in the dream. And then, you know, I'm enjoying my snack or whatever I was doing on the plane. And then I look outside the window and, and I'm very aware that we're rapidly descending towards the earth I see buildings, I see the outline of the trees and everything, and it's coming closer and closer and closer. And clearly at this moment, I realize that we're going to crash. And we did, and everything went black. And then I woke up. So in dreams like this, like I've always had dreams, if I'm following, 
or, you know, you're like, you trip on something and then you get the, <gasps> and then you wake and up. You, your whole body jolts, right? But you wake up before the impact. Yep. But this dream, like we hit the ground, everything went black and then I woke up. So I was quite in a state when I woke up and I was yep. just not, like, not having it. And that was the the one moment I think since we got laid off that I was thinking to myself, thank goodness I don't have to go on a plane right now because there's no way in heck I want to go on a plane right now. Yeah. Like that was so vivid and so clear and so obvious that the plane was crashing and that we were dead. So yeah, so that happened. Mm -hmm. I hope it doesn't happen very often. It hasn't since it's been about a week at this yep. point, I think. Um, but yeah, um, I don't wish that on anybody. And uh, if it does happen again to me, I hope it's like in five years or something. Cause, uh, well, very you, disturbing. When you first started telling me about it, I was like, okay, but it hasn't been 10 years for you yet. So it's only been like almost seven. So, you know, it's not exactly on the 10 year mark, but that's just kind of a general thing. But interesting that it happened for mm -hmm. me. It happened close to the 10 year mark. Yeah. And for me, it was flying under bridges i don't know why but that's what came to mind maybe that's next for me who knows but uh yeah that needed to be shared and mm -hmm. now jeremy has presented us with an incident so are you he ready i'll take the lead now <laughs> okay so uh this week we're going to talk about the incident of db cooper do you know anything about this incident no do you know who db cooper is no <laughs> Perfect. All right. So let's get into it. November 24th, 1971. Northwest Orient Airlines, which later became Northwest Airlines, Flight 305 was hijacked. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay. So I'll give you a little bit of background. So we had a Boeing 727. This flight was going from Portland to Seattle. As I said, it's Flight 305. We had Captain William A. Scott. We had co-pilot William J. Ratazak, flight engineer Harold E. Anderson. We had flight attendant names. Yay! Oh so our flight attendants. Very often. This was Florence Schaffner. We had Tina Mucklow and Alice Hancock. So on our flight today, we had a well-dressed 40-something-year-old man seated near the rear of the aircraft. He seemed ordinary enough. He ordered a bourbon and soda as the flight was getting ready to take off. After takeoff, he began the hijacking by simply handing a note to the closest flight attendant. So flight attendant Florence Schaffner simply thought this was a businessman handing his phone number to her, so she took the folded note and put it in her purse. Noticing this, the man leaned over and told her she should probably read the note because he has a bomb in his briefcase. So who was this man? D.B. Cooper? We're going to get into that. So he showed up to the Portland airport with no luggage, carrying only a briefcase. He purchased a one-way ticket to Seattle with cash and stated that his name was Dan Cooper. So now back to the flight. After disclosing to Schaffner that he had a bomb, he told her to sit beside him. She complied and she quietly asked him to see the bomb. So he opened his briefcase just enough for her to see what appeared to be an explosive device of cylinders and wires. He told her his demands of $200,000 US, four parachutes, and a fuel truck to be ready at Seattle-Tacoma Airport 
ready to refuel the plane. Flight Attendant Schaffner relayed the demands to the captain, who then contacted the SeaTac ATC, who informed both local and federal authorities. The president of Northwest Orient Airlines, Donald Nyrop, made arrangements for the ransom payment and told all employees to comply with this hijacker. So the aircraft circled for about two hours while the authorities on the ground were securing the $200,000 in 10000 unmarked $20 bills from several different banks around town. There was another 35 passengers on board, and they were told a lie that there was a small mechanical issue preventing them from landing right away. Throughout this time, it was reported that the hijacker didn't seem nervous. He was pleasant, he ordered a second bourbon and soda, and he remained calm. Upon landing in Seattle, all the window shades were lowered to deter possible police snipers. A bag was delivered to Flight Attendant Mucklow at the rear air stairs. So this is a 727. 727 has three rear-mounted engines, and they have air stairs that come from the tail of the plane. After completion of the delivery, the hijacker then ordered all passengers and flight attendants Schaffner and senior flight attendant Alice Hancock to deplane. So while the aircraft was refueling, the hijacker outlined his plan to the pilots to fly to Mexico City. He wanted the aircraft to fly at its minimum airspeed without stalling, roughly 100 knots, with the landing gear remaining down, and this is presumably to increase drag. He wanted the flaps at 15 degrees and the rear air stairs deployed. He also wanted the aircraft to remain unpressurized. It was agreed that the aircraft would land in Reno, Nevada to refuel and then continue on to Mexico City. Two hours after landing in Seattle, the aircraft was ready to be airborne again. The only concession was the rear air stairs. It was concluded that it would be unsafe to take off with them deployed, so the hijacker agreed that he would deploy them once they were airborne. So the aircraft takes off with only five people on board. We had the three pilots, we had flight attendant Tina Mucklow, and the hijacker. They took off. They took off. They let this guy dictate what they were going to do. Well, yeah, they didn't want him to blow up the plane. So you're just going to keep flying the plane around the world? Remember, this is 1971. But still, I mean, like, what the... Now, and he specified all this different configuration, and they also informed him before, like, it only has a range of about a thousand miles. So that's why they'd have to refuel in Nevada before going on to Mexico City. Shortly after takeoff, the hijacker tells Flight Lieutenant Mucklow to join the pilots in the flight deck. So unbeknownst to the hijacker, there were five military-type aircraft who were shadowing the Boeing 727. 33 minutes after takeoff from Seattle, the pilots and Flight Lieutenant Mucklow notice a sudden change in aircraft pressure, noticing that the rear air stairs had been deployed. So later on, they landed in Reno with the air stairs still deployed. The aircraft was quickly surrounded by local authorities, including FBI agents, but it was quickly determined that there were only five people that remained on board. So missing was the hijacker, the bag containing $200,000, and two of the four parachutes. None of the shadowing military aircraft saw the hijacker jump or parachute from the Boeing 727. So here's the real kicker. The hijacker was never found. Many assumed that he perished after jumping from the 727, but no remains were ever found. Some of the ransom money was recovered. There was two packets of 
$120 bills, one packet of $90 $20 bills, and those were all recovered on February 10th, 1980, so eight and a half years after the incident, by eight-year-old Brian Ingram while he was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River just north of Portland, and it was potentially still on the flight path of the hijacked plane. There were many other investigations spanning over 45 years, and they all came up empty. The name D.B. Cooper was ultimately tied to this case due to an incorrect use of the name of a suspect by a newspaper reporter who was rushing to make a deadline. So he had used the name Dan Cooper when he originally checked in for the flight, but the name D.B. Cooper was just like, oh, that was a potential suspect, and then they rushed and printed that name, and it just got tied to this case forever. There were several copycat attempts, but due to this incident, in 1973, airport security required that all passengers and their bags would be searched. So this is one of the incidents that led up to searches of bags and passengers. There were many pop culture references to this case, including the TV series Prison Break, The Blacklist, News Radio, 30 Rock, Numbers, and the film Without a Paddle. So thus concludes the incident of D.B. Cooper hijacking the ransom, and subsequent parachuting from a Boeing 727, never to be found. What do you think of that one? That's an insane story. Yeah. Yeah. the heck? This guy, there's five military aircraft, so this guy just jumps out with his parachute. Also, why did you give him a parachute? Four parachutes, actually. He requested four. And they originally came with like military parachutes. And he was like, no, 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 I want civilian ones. So they had to go back to like a, a skydiving school and they got civilian parachutes. Okay. Why are you feeding into this guy's demands? First of all, 1971. That's literally why. Okay. This guy wants 200 grand, bunch of parachutes and to fly to Mexico. Yeah. Cool. No problem. What? What kind of BS is this? I okay. don't approve of this. <laughs> It was also 20 years before you were born, okay? I don't, it was a different still, era. <laughs> like in what world? Oh, yeah, the president of the airline. Yeah, let's get him all his money. Let's make sure it's in a proper briefcase. When he lands, we'll give it to him. We'll give him the parachutes, and then he can just go on his merry way. Okay, but just so you know, that 1970, I think it was in 1971, there were 13 different hijackings in the U.S. alone. So it's not like it so was common practice was to just give in to all these hijackers demands. Well, it depends if the hijacker says, hey, I have a bomb. And if you don't pay me a couple hundred thousand dollars, I'm going to blow up this millions of dollars worth of aircraft and all the people on it. This was remember, this was before security. Yeah, but then you bring in the hostage negotiator, you bring in the proper people. You don't just be like. Oh, I'm gonna, you know, what if he'd asked for a freaking chocolate cake and a bottle of wine? Would they have given him that too? Probably. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, you know, this is kind of funny about this incident. So he ordered his bourbon and soda, then he had a second one. And then before landing in Seattle, he paid his tab. And he well, tried he to. knew he was going to be rich then. Well, he paid his tab and then he told the flight attendant, keep the change. <laughs> How crazy is that? This is one of the wildest cases ever that was never solved. Some people claim like, oh, yeah, his remains were found, but they were never actually identified. 
some people say, oh, his remains were just, you know, eaten by animals in the forest. I feel like this story isn't real. It's 100% real. So you're telling me that these military people just didn't notice a guy jump out of an airplane on a parachute from air stairs that shouldn't be deployed in the air? Sounds crazy. That's why it's one of the most crazy incidents ever that I feel I had like he share. didn't jump, though. He probably, like, escaped stealthily. At 10,000 feet? No, once the plane, like, was closer to the ground or something. Like, clearly the planes didn't land, like, right beside him. So they, he escaped stealthily. He didn't just jump out of the plane. Because you would have seen that. And then you would have shot him. <laughs> well okay so of the military aircraft that started following they didn't all follow all the way to um to reno some of them were low on fuel so they had to turn around who knows at what point he jumped you know the the kid the eight-year-old kid eight and a half years later found some of the cash and it was identified and concluded yes this was money that was part of the ransom that was given to quote unquote db cooper but where was this found potentially along the flight path. So what, did he just throw some of the money out of the plane to throw people off or what? I don't know. This is so unbelievable. It is. It's so unbelievable. It's great. shocked. (laughs) That's why it's such a great incident to talk about. Why haven't they made a movie out of this story? Well, they they touched on it. Like I said, in in different pop culture, they touched on it many times. Yeah, but this needs to be a whole thing, not just touched. It needs to be engulfed and hugged. Uh, there was a documentary that was made just a couple years ago about it. Did they have a Mayday episode about this? I don't think so. I've seen several different things I mean, on it. but yeah. I guess it's not like a fully like aviation thing. It's more like this crazy guy just jumped out of the plane yeah. after people just gave him whatever he wanted. But it wasn't that uncommon that hijackers back in the early 70s would say, hey... I want money and I want a parachute because, yeah, sure. Why wouldn't I jump out of a plane? <laughs> it's crazy, eh? Maybe he just exploded. Maybe he just exploded. Okay. He jumped out of the plane and poof. Well, like if you jump out of the plane at that height, maybe he's just like disintegrated. Except for three bundles of money. <laughs> yeah, but he's not money. He's people. Okay. Or maybe he made himself explode in the air with the bomb. Because he had a bomb this whole time. Was it a real bomb? Was it a real person? I don't like this story. This is crazy. It's a crazy story. That's that's why I'm telling it. Because it's a fun, crazy story. Now we go need we need to go drink wine. <laughs> we need to go drink wine and, and watch you, The Bachelor. You need to watch The Bachelor. Jeremy's going to watch a little bit with me. A very little bit because I have to go back to bed. <laughs> yeah. But uh, while, you know, this guy, he probably got what he wanted because he was nice. Yeah, he was really pleasant. And that's like at one thing that was said was... Uh, he didn't seem like the typical hijacker. He wasn't rude. He wasn't demanding. He just said, yep, I would like another bourbon and soda and $200,000 and four parachutes. Thank you very much. 
Is that what he wrote on his note that he wanted four parachutes and 200k? Well, eventually he took back the note, so nobody knows exactly what it said. And what the flight attendant reported was that it it just basically said like I have a bomb on board. So we okay, don't so know. Okay, so then when did he demand his demands? Uh he told the flight attendant who then told the pilots. Oh. But then no one else was the wiser on the plane. These 35 people were like, oh, "Okay, yeah, it's just mechanical." Well, it, I mean, the plane was only like a quarter or a third full, right? So they just believed what the pilot said in an announcement. And they're probably all just smoking and like <laughs> chilling in their <laughs> Welcome seats. Welcome to the 70s. Okay. Yeah. Roxy needs to to go, so she's uh she's telling us What's Roxy saying? If you're flying, be nice to your flight attendants. Because they might have to save your butt one day. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Woof, woof. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We have new episodes every Wednesday. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Moderate Turbulence on Instagram, at Mod Turbulence on Twitter, and follow us individually on Instagram at Huffy J and at La Delvi. Thank you.